Hello, everybody. It's time to renew old friendships. It's the Saundo and Redders podcast talking NDCASD and whatever else comes to mind. Because you know what, everyone? It's our bloody podcast and we'll say what we like. And hopefully Saundo gets back on the pod, gets back on the soapbox so, very shortly. Dan Saunders, it's, I'm assuming it's a very warm good evening to you up on the Liverpool Plains. Yeah, very mild up here. Good evening, Redders. Happy New Year. It's uh, Same. three weeks since we did our last podcast. It is, and it's been awfully humid here today. And our very special guest, and officially in inverted commas, friend of the podcast, the Seagull, Steve Elliott. Hello, Stephen. How are you? G'day, Redders. How you doing? How you doing, Sondo? Thank you so much for inviting me back onto your podcast. Uh, I won't need to listen to it this week, given I'm participating. Dan, what would you like to talk about first? I know that, uh, I've, uh, by the way, if you do get a chance to listen to Dan on 2TM, he's got some terrific sports uh, pro- programming coming. There's an excellent cricket segment that was um, broadcast today with Josh Moxie. Um, 1287 up there in Tamworth with things about to get very hectic in Tamworth. And Dan, just before we go, a bit, a bit of a plug. You've got a very special guest coming onto the show, one of Australia's finest ever uh, guitarists and, and musicians. Please give us a bit of a rundown on that. I, I think it's worth talking about it. Yeah, on Monday afternoon after five. I've already recorded the interview, but it'll go to air on Monday afternoon. I was very fortunate enough to go to interview Ian Moss. Um, I've been a, a cold chisel and Bardsy and Mossy fan since I was a kid. So it was, it was, um, you, you, you realise very quickly how professionally you can be when you have to be. Um, so you don't look like a giggling little schoolgirl or a little boy under the Christmas tree on Christmas Eve. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, I would say in this profession, a career highlight so far, and that, that goes where on Monday afternoon, and I'll have it up on my Facebook and my Afternoons with Dan 1287 page too, but I'll check it out Monday afternoon after four o'clock. Sounds great. If I can just, before we go into cricket and talking cricket, we'll get back there in a second. My former boss at UTS was a guy called Tom O'Sullivan. And Tom O'Sullivan managed both the Divinals and Cold Chisel at different times of his music career. And Cold, Cold Chisel and the Divinals were the support act when U2 recorded their Red Rocks um, Amphitheatre concert in Denver. And you both of you will remember when Bono says, this song is not a rebel song, this song is Sunday, Bloody Sunday. Well, that was recorded at the Red Rocks Amphitheatre in Colorado. Tom O'Sullivan was standing 20 metres away off stage watching him when that wow. happened. So Tom O'Sullivan got married for a second time at Bonnie Dean Golf Course in Sydney next to where the Australian Open's just been played at the Australian. And Ian Moss played a 10-song acoustic set on a speaker and just a, a, a track player, a speaker, and play, on a rough speaker and played this 10-song acoustic set. He sang Georgia on my mind, Bow River, um, Flame Trees, all these. His version of Georgia is wonderful. And one of the people that they said at the table who was actually originally from Scandinavia said, do you know who this is? And I said, yes. And she said, you seem to be enjoying it. And I said, you've got no idea. This is like taking a kid to a candy store. And he he has got a superb voice. And yeah. he he's, his role in Cold Chisel is undiminished. The, the star of Cold Chisel went on to become one of the stars of Australian music. But Moss is the second most talented um, musician in that band after Don Walker, who's a genius. But uh, uh, Ian Moss is just superb. And if you ever get a chance to see him in concert, anyone, do so. He is fantastic. So, again. We're on January 25, the night before Australia Day. And um, I will be there. Good. I'll even even pay for a ticket. (laughs) Very good. That's unlike you. Guys. Free feed, free show. 
on there. Guys, let's get straight into suburban districts. We've got plenty to talk talk about. Oh, some of these results are unbelievable. To be quite honest, in the first round back after Christmas, I'll run through them for you. Merriweather pulled off, and Dan and I have been doing this for three years now, and so I reckon this is Steve's fourth or fifth appearance. Not too many teams have made 250-plus. Merriweather, four for 251 at Walters, which I'm assuming, having had a bit of rain, has got some grass growth, and the garden's only made 144 in reply. The Mudrats, where did this come from? The journeyman all out 141, and the Mudrats got them nine down. Remarkable result from, and the Mudrats have been struggling, let's be fair. I'm going to come back to that next result in a minute. Port Stevens, 195 for eight of 40 at King Park, defeated Warners by 134, and for mine, solidified their favouritism for A, the minor premiership and, and, and the major premiership. And Glendale, oh boys, 195 all out. They'll be furious they didn't bat 40 overs. Uh, gave, gave the Rose Scholars with a couple of stars back. Trajanovsky and Con- Constantine Dan will talk about that shortly. They're all out for 55. And in a, what must have been an unbelievable game at Jesmond, Cardiff Bullaroo made 75 off 36.2 overs. Remember, that's previously been their home ground. So they know Jesmond. And they dismissed Waterboard for 70. The most extraordinary game of cricket. I can only think that it was a sluggish outfield and a pitch that was seeming all over the place. That's the only thing that makes sense. It has been wet. For those of you listening from outside, the entire eastern seaboards had lots of storms. The Australian Country Cricket Championships, which has just finished yesterday, was played on a basically a series of seeming pitches all over the place. The ball was moving everywhere because the curators have had no chance to get dry weather. Anyway, that's the way it rolled out. Saunders and Stephen, first of all, Merriweather, 251, defeated the Gardens Falcons, 144. Saunders, Paul Dan turning it on, but what a great performance by Merriweather with the bat. Yeah, look, uh, I mean, Merriweather have just got such a great playing roster. Their, their problem, I guess, their main problem has been that they've got so much depth that they can't, I guess, co- consistently field the same team or the same 8, 9, 10 uh, bulk you know, it's always new players coming in and out. There's a few staples there, like the Pride Boys, uh, Tim Cameron's played a lot, Jason Pratt and Rowan Kelly. Um, but, I mean, you look there, now Adam Britt, um, both Pride Boys have played there, Trophy's there. Um, but, yeah, look, they've, they've done it with the batting. They've put 124 runs for the first wicket. And if you can get a start like that, you'll rarely lose a game. If you can get a 120-run platform with the openers, Paul Dan, he's shown over the last few seasons he's capable of scoring big runs and he's uh, batted deep into the innings there. It was the last wicket out um, on 251, so he's, it could have even been the last ball or two of the innings. But 103, 14 boundaries, a great knock. Tim Cameron, very patient batsman, 55 with 10 boundaries. So there must have been a lot of defence there too. 40 of that 55 gone to the fence. Um, and, yeah, Lachlan Christ, 33 not out towards the end. Steve Pride, 25. Just a solid, you know, when you can go at 6, 6.25 and over in Division 1, you're not going to lose games of cricket. Very, very rarely will you lose a game of cricket if you're capable of posting anywhere over 200. 250, that's a great effort. Oh, it is. Um, Dagger Deep Sharma, what? Sorry, Stephen, go on, mate. You go first. I was going to say, I think for me, just looking at that, that, that red is a, a, bit, a little bit of credit's got to go to the. Um, Cardiff Bulleroo and, and the Gardens Cricket Club. Walters Park come online very, very late. So really, really late. Uh, there was a decision made to 
for them to go to that ground. And it's a, it's a Cardiff Bullaroo traditional home ground. It's actually their first, very first home ground for, for CBs in this region when they first formed. Um, but what's been what's pleasing for me is there's nearly 400 runs scored there. So that, well, I know that's absolutely on a wicket that on a wicket that was a Bunsen burner before Christmas it was dead set turning that's square. Right. That's right. So I'm not sure what the Cardiff Cardiff Bullaroo guys and the Gardens guys and Cameron are, are doing out there, but whatever it is, keep doing it, guys, because to produce some wickets to score 400 runs for 14 wickets, you're doing something pretty good. Uh, you no, know, there's no question of that. And credit to them, we was on this podcast questioning the wicket before Christmas, which we had a right to do. We've got to be fair and say that. Gagandirk Sharma took two for 57 off eight, but the best name in all of Newcastle wicket, Shanky Jude, amongst the mayhem of 251 off 40, eight overs, one for 25, a superb performance, actually. But as Dan said, they got flying. The opening bowlers, none for 20 out of two, and none for 26. And Jivon Jot Singh, who usually bowls well, got pogoed as well. And Muhammad Rahman also had, had a rough rough old start, 28 off his two. In reply, the Gardens uh, struggle. Um, Jivon Jot Singh, who's a very good cricketer, 37. 26, Shanky Jude, who had a good game. Sumit Rilan, who uh, previously wore Stockton colours, 20, 21. Uh, and I was speaking to Josh Moxie during the week, uh, Dan and Stephen, and he said, I said, who do you think the best spinners in the competition are? And he said, the Pride Brothers. And I said, you've got to throw the Meerkat in there and Michael Ripper. And he said, that's just about right. It's James Pride, five for 25 off eight. And Stephen Pride, two for 26 off 7.2. Terrific win for Meriwether. And importantly, guys, it's quotient building. Massive quotient increase here. Yeah, look, you're right, Seagull. Yeah, absolutely. It's very, very important quotient. It's it's gonna it's gonna be the difference between finishing fourth and sixth or, or fifth and seventh. It, it's it's the way it is is most years. I think I think if if we look at the the you know the the, the losers in this occasion, they, they have struggled a little bit this year. I think it's to think it's fair. But I think we all need to remember that they're a team that that's brand new to suburban districts. I know there's some guys that have played a little bit of suburban districts in the past. Brand new, they're learning their feet. In a pretty tough competition against some some pretty battle hardened teams, as you both know, in the last three or four years that the you know coming up against the Pythons and then getting the Journeyman and then getting Merriweather and then getting you know Waterboard week in week out. It's a there's nowhere to hide once you get going, and it's good to see them somewhat competitive. I mean, yeah, two fifty one's a lot of runs, but one forty four in reply they didn't give it up, which is which is really good to see. And I think that they'll go pretty good in the coming years. You know, the two teams seems to be going pretty good. So I think there's some there's some upside for CBs as well with this one. Yeah, very, very much so, I agree. And, and again, they put their hand up. They wanted to play Division One, So they, they wanted to be in this grade. It's not like they were forced to be there. So it's a credit to them wanting to challenge themselves. A number of players there. In this comp since day one with Carter Fulleroo and Walls End previous to that. Um They'll get this season under their belt. They'll be a lot better for it next year. And I guarantee they'll they'll have more Division One quality players coming to this lineup next year. They'll only get stronger. I guarantee it. Yeah. On to our second game for review and an extraordinary game of cricket at Connolly Park. It's the only way you can describe it. And there's a story that Dan Saunders has been saying from the first time we did this podcast. He's always said it and he'll say it again tonight. Redders, you have to bat your overs out in this competition, okay? The journeyman actually didn't. They made 141 off 32 overs, 
But from seven down, number seven made 19, number nine, Stuart Frame, 13. But the bottom two, Alex Scott made 17, and Dave Sullivan batting at 11, 18 not out. The final pair put on 31 and, in essence, have won the match for the journeyman. Five for 28 to jo- to five for 26 to Josh Bennett. No, not that Josh Bennett, but the other Josh Bennett, uh, who we've had on the podcast. Very sad to see Jack Campbell go on eight and over. One for 32 for Jack. That really upsets me. And then in reply, Merriweather batted 38 over. Uh, the, 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 I beg your pardon. The Mudrats, Mary of the Mudrats, Mary Ellen Mudrats, batting 38 overs, ended up nine for 143. Two major performances here. Josh Forsyth, 47 at the top of the order. And Cameron Roxby, steered them home. He hit the winning runs, 36 not out. The last wicket put on seven, he made them all. And off 38 overs, an amazing win to the Mudrats. That is such a gutsy performance on obviously a Connolly Park pitch that's got a bit in it, and it was fair to both sides. Bowling, three for 45, Chris Bradford, three for 14, Alex Scott, who had a great game, and the reliable Dave Sullivan, two for 31. Gentlemen, to hand over to you, what a superb game of Suburban Districts Division One cricket, and congrats to the Mudrats. They haven't had a great season, but that could kickstart them. That was brilliant from them. Yeah, they've, they've got the three points. They've, they've fought hard. They've tore away. They've stayed in the contest. To the to the journeyman's credit, no Dion Sandos, no Chris Diver, no Cameron Wells, no Paul Gauchy. A lot of their batting depth was missing, but they showed their resolve. And, and those veteran players, if you're Sammy Vashaw or Stewie Frame. Uh, he's sort of mine and Seagull's vintage. Uh, Dave Sullivan, again, and young Alex Scott, who's had a great all-round game, 17 there at 10. Also, I think the three for 14 off eight. Um, they, they really hung in well. Like They would have loved to have batted their 40, but they've done well at about 32 to get to 140, which is a competitive total. Um, and a lot of their, I guess, main strike bowls were there. Um, looking at the Mudrats again, it was a, a two-man innings a game. Josh Forsyth and Cameron Roxby, um, two quality cricketers. And they've led their team to victory. Um, yeah, again, tight bowling there. Alex Scott, three for 14 off eight. That, that's great bowling, especially in Connolly Park where there's no real room for error. Very fast, especially on one side of the ground, hitting towards Pat Jordan. Uh, three wickets also to Chris Bradford. There's a couple of Dave Sullivan. But, yeah, look, well done to the Mudrats. They've chased down 143, uh, 141. They've got nine, 143 with two overs up this sleeve and nine down. And they were nine for 136, so they still needed what, six or seven, but they've they've got the job done. Um, again, Cameron Roxby, another not out. I'd love to see his batting average. I think he's only been out once all season. And as I was reminded when I had the pleasure of scoring with that Josh Moxie during the week, ladies and gentlemen, it is the 11th of January, 2024. The only person to dismiss Cameron Roxby this season is David Absalom. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is not opinion. That is fact he's the only man this season and that did not come from mr t head that come from a player at another club so congratulations to dave cameron roxby superb um interestingly one of the things dan looks at is just the little stories when you look at the extras their wides are good but they gave up six buys that's actually a little bit unusual that's a little bit unusual but a superb win for the mud rats just that is gutsy and clever and inspiring for them. And let's hope they can continue on and continue to be competitive because the journeymen are no mugs. Holy cow, guys. Well, this, you go, sorry. 
I was going to say, what it's also done, if we, when we get to the ladder, how to pull the room by knocking off uh, Team Tide first, it's brought them closer to fifth and sixth, and the Mudrats are hanging on to the tail of Carter Fuller as well. So seventh and eighth have actually gone up uh, by three, and the teams just around them getting one. So it's closed it up where I guess if you were on you know, laying bets on it, you'd expect maybe that might have blown out a bit on the on the results. But well done both to Carter Fuller and to the Mudrats. But again, it's Division I, One. I, I, I think there's I think the there's there's some danger signs here for the, some of the competition. You know, if if I'm an opposition team, I don't want Josh Forsyth and Cameron Roxby getting form because if those two guys get in, you're not getting them out, and the rest of the guys around them. And with all due respect to a lot of them, they didn't get too many runs. But those guys will start getting at their ten and fifteen runs to go with the thirties and forties of the the Forsyths and the Roxbys, and boy, are they going to be tough to beat. Well, you've got. Let, let's just just for a minute segue into that. Port Stevens have got a small break at the top, but from third to seventh is four points difference. Yeah. Four points, and the Mudrats on 23 points behind that. So a couple of good wins and a couple of good weeks, and look out, you're even in the top four and hosting. That's how tight it is. Again, this competition shows. I still I still think right now it'll be a waterboard in Port Stevens grand final. I think this is an aberration for waterboard, but... Anything can happen, particularly when it gets to finals cricket, particularly when it gets to finals cricket. It's a terrifically close competition, as is exhibited by this next unbelievable game of cricket. Cardiff Bullaroo ground out 75 of 36.2 overs against Waterboard. What a grind that was. I'm assuming Jezo was seeming all over the place. Bradley Richardson, six for 11 off, six overs, and I am sure this will get a mention later on with our great man Dan Saunders in his review. Um, 21 was the top score, Praveen Kumar Dasari, uh, 17 wides, and there's the story, 17 wides. So that's the second top score in the game, second top score, and they lost their last three for none. So Waterboard would have been thinking... That's a pretty good effort. Knocking them over for 75. Let's go out and do the business. And you know what? Carter Polaruski to Matthew Herriot made 21. Nick Dimmers finished 29 out. Um, but Shafiq Syed, who Dan has told has told me repeatedly, he's a very good cricketer, four for 20. Muhammad Umar, three for 19. Viral Mehta, two for 17. And one for 14 to Debenju De Mishra. And Waterboard all out. For uh, 28.4 overs for 70. Guys, what an amazing game of cricket. It's as simple as that. Yeah, yeah, look, I mean, at the end of the day, batting first, any, any total's defendable if you bowl well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure even Carter Pulwuru coming off all that for 75 against a team undefeated would have been going, right, we're just going to throw everything at them and, and hope for the best and um, just... Yeah, I, I'm not sure what the confidence levels would have been. But, I mean, they had Waterboard four for seven early. Yep. Big Syed uh, went through them. I mean, Jake Miller, who's the leading run scorer in the competition. And I guess we're seeing, because the game before Christmas, Waterboard struggled to get across the line too. I think they limped across the line in the game uh, six or seven down from memory. But they've lost Jake Miller early, who's been one of the backbones of their batting. Uh, Rippon's gone uh, cheap. Not familiar with Nardelli or Grace. Uh, they may have had a couple of guys out. Um, but in saying that, Nick Dimmers has come in and tried to steer the ship there with Matt Herriot. 
Cronick coming in a bit later down the order. I'm not sure if he's carrying an injury or not, because he bowled third change as well. And if that wicket was seeming around, you, you wouldn't be able to get the ball out of his hands, especially a skipper. Um, but you mentioned something quite interesting, Redders. You said there were 17 wides in that first innings out of 75. They've lost by 12 runs. Uh, sorry, they've lost five by runs. five runs. 12 wides in this innings. You take the wides out of both innings, 58 runs apiece. Yeah, so those wow. wides back difference in this game, in this very tight game of cricket. Yes, they do. And you see it, we talk about this regularly when we see plus, pretty much plus 10, plus 15, plus 20, and it makes an enormous difference. And in such a compressed game, of course it makes an enormous difference. I mean, 17 out of 70 is almost a quarter, you know, 17 out of 75 is, you know, it's in between a fifth and a quarter of the runs. It's unbelievable. And um, look, congratulations! It must have been a real nail biter. What a game! On obviously, a, I, as Dan's told me repeatedly, I've never actually been to. I drive past Jesmond Oval very regularly on my way to play into inner city Newcastle yeah. here, but I've never actually been there. And Dan will tell you that it's got a bit of a slow out or sluggish outfield. I think is the words he uses. But yeah, just an amazing game of cricket, Seagull. It's hard to explain what what a phenomenal game of cricket. And as always, tight the tight games are always the low scoring ones. Well, it's, it's pretty yeah, exactly right. It's pretty interesting to me that it really did start getting down the crunch. And I was at I was at um, eighteen thirty three Park on Saturday afternoon for the last part, and I was watching this game via live score. And I guess we can't understate Muhammad Umar. He got three for three for seventeen or three for nineteen off his seven overs, but the wickets he took were Cronin, Ripon, and Lockeran. Some pretty important scalps. Right at the end of the game, they were they were around fifty odd from memory, fifty five from memory. They took that he basically ripped the the heart out of the waterboard team right at the end of the game when the pressure was on. And Nick Dimmers obviously batted superbly at the end. He, he you know he had wickets falling around him and he he still managed to score twenty and he did it off fifty eight balls. So the, the deck must have been tough and there was a bit of pressure. So so very very good win by CBs. Um, one that, sh that should set them up. You know, we, we've seen them in the past. The, in the high-scoring, free-flowing games, they're a pretty tough team to contain. It's good to see them win a grind out a tough one. And I think that's that, that says a, a fair bit about where, the, you know, they should they should really be hanging their hat on this. To be waterboarding this competition is pretty special. To do it 75 to 70 is red-hot unbelievable. So congratulations to both teams, but in particular CBs on this one. Great game of cricket. Yeah, it's just just... Plenty of character. And remember, they put 300-odd on in the game before Christmas too. That's right. The perfect segue from Stephen, 1833 Park. Port Stephens played Warner's Bay. Port Stephens won the toss and batted eight for 195. The top order did all the damage. Lee Williams, 42. I'll come back to his dismissal in a minute. Josh Moxie, 27. Late Neverly, not out, 64. A superb effort. Sean Davies, 31. The male model, Jesse Ballander, terrific figures. Two for 23 off eight. Three for 37 off six to Matthew White. But there's a story with Lee Williams, guys. I heard this from um, someone who was out in the middle. Lee Williams was bowled round his pads by David Absalom and the ball hit off stump. That's how much it turned. Around his pads, hitting off stump. We, we've One of our best cricketers ever used to do that on dry, dry pitches. I never thought I'd say that David Absalom was bowled someone around their pants hitting off stump, but that that's what happened. 
Leighton Everly, a terrific turn with the bat. That's 64 of 88 with 5 and 1. A match-winning performance with the bat. And then Warners Bay in reply. Uh, the top five, eight, Goza, one, one, and eight. Daniel Burns stood up to like 70, 65 off 72. Josh Moxley also gave credit. He said he batted beautifully with six and three. Steve Grimshaw, the great man, 27 off 21 at the end. Uh, the great Parramatta fan. And uh, however, they ended up 134 all out of 38, 4 point, 38.2 overs. Sean Davies, four for seven off eight, if you don't mind. Late Neville, uh, late Neville, two for 23 off 3.2. Um, but we'll go to Stephen first because you were you were there for part of this game. Um, yeah. Very solid performance here. Nothing spectacular from Fort Stevens, but very solid. So I got there around the change of innings. Um, I missed Port Stevens batting, but from what I from what I heard, Leighton Everly was just a standout. So for, it's really good to see Leighton do this. I mean, you know, when you think of Port Stevens Pythons, you always go Josh Moxie, Jared Moxie, Lou Williams. You know, Leighton Leighton's a massively important part of that team, and probably doesn't get the the credit outside of his club that he probably should. So to put on a, a pretty solid 65, and he he's, he really set the game for him up. To get 195 at, at 18.33 is pretty tough to chase. But the story of the tape was the first seven or eight overs. You know, Brock Hawley and Sean Davies, they put on a clinic. They just bowled full, and they bowled straight, and they set a field accordingly, and they just drove the, the Warners Bay top order mad. And in the end, false shots got wickets and put a whole load of pressure on them. If I was Warners Bay, I'd take a fair amount of heart out of this game. I mean, they were, they were five for 40, chased 190 and absolutely going nowhere. And they ground out to 134. If they'd have been rolled for 40 or 50, and lots of teams would have been against that attack, you know, they, they hadn't even seen the meerkat at five for 42. Um, if they'd have been rolled out for 50 or 60, I would say, they're not winning a grand final. They're not winning anything. They, they've they rolled over. But I think they can go away from this game going, we got within 60 and we're five for 40. So we've done we've done pretty well. I think, I think the Pythons will go, keep on keeping on. That's a good win for us. But I think Warners Bay can take a bit of heart out of this one. Um, want to make, pay mention to my little mate too. He's not, not our my little mate, Mr. Absalom. Um, he he went, in, went into bat fairly late. Didn't get many runs. Um, I think he got one, but, but went in some pretty t- um, tough circumstances. But it's with his bowling, you know, to get Lee Williams. And there's a, there is a bit of footage run around town, Redders, of that dismissal. Um, ah. so, so there is a little bit of footage of that of that going around. Um, but it was really, really nice. And, and I hope both of them don't mind. I was part of a conversation with Jared and uh, Jared Moxie and Dave. And Dave was talking about his leg spinner not coming out right and bowling a lot of top spinners. And Jared was talking about the amount of drift and the amount of drop Dave was getting. And it was really, really nice. And I hope Dave got a fair bit out of that because Jared doesn't give, don't give away credit for free. And Jared gave him a little bit. So it was really, really nice hearing probably the premier batsman running around talking to a, a fellow that's come up through the grades and, and, and has done it tough. And I guess for the three of us, he's a pretty special fellow to us. Um, it was really nice to see that that conversation happen. So, congratulations, Dave. Um, I thought you did pretty well there. Yeah, look, um, Sean Davies' contribution come up from second grade to, to fill in four for seven off eight plus thirty one with the bat. 
Um, that's a great effort. And as Seagull said, you know, it's normally the same few names of, I guess we talk a lot about with the Pythons, but they've just shown they've got a lot of depth in that club. Um, and guys like Jeremy Rushford, who plays Division Two, who's a part of the, yeah. the John Bull setup, and he, he's a Division One cricketer. He needs opportunity in that team uh, should he wish to be in there because he's a serious cricketer with bat and ball. Um, but yeah, look, not much you can say. Apparently, Giles Manley he let a ball go and sort of stop the cannon in the middle. Apparently, Sean Davies had it hooping, so. Um, yeah, he'll take that wicket. But look, Warners Bay, they, they had a really good run up at Grizzly, going five or six straight. I mean, you go to King Park five, you know it's going to be a tough game of cricket. And as Seagull said, that they hung in there. They were in a lot of trouble at 6.42. Um, and even when Daniel Burns got out on 98, they're still tough to death to get up to 134. And they've batted all bar 10 balls of their 40, which that's the really impressive thing for me. They've kept the Pythons out in the park. They've made them earn every wicket. They haven't given it away. Indeed, and, and reduced the, the damage to their quotient. Yeah, that's right. And probably just a final thing, Redis. I, you know, love being lucky enough to go up to that. As you know, volunteers make career clubs, and mate, I, I went to the went to the canteen, and and I'm going to go to that ground more often. That canteen up there, and what Michelle Moxie does with that canteen and those facilities is absolutely unbelievable. If you're a, if you're if you're around on a Saturday afternoon, anyone out listening to this podcast and you're anywhere near that place, bring the kids, bring the wife, you're not going to get a better feed, cheaper, than what you'll get up there. So excellent work, Michelle. And our final game for review, Glendale Old Boys made 195 off 36.5 overs. They'll be disappointed they didn't bat 40. The star, Zach Sneddon, 95 off 74 with 13 and 2, batting at 128 and a half, if you don't mind. Tyson Jackson, 35, Ray Stedman, 21. Um, and some very good names coming back here. At least great to see Dean Trajanovsky. Eight overs, four maidens, two for 10, if you don't mind. Phil in, took three for 28, one of his many wickets across Australia, Saundo. And Pat, good to see Pat Constantine back, didn't feature much. But they're good to see that both of those two wonderful cricketers back. But unfortunately, the Rose Scholars couldn't put it together with the bat. The only player that made double figures was Alex Bird batting at eight. He made 16, all out at 55. Three to Sam Parks, three for Tim Mason, eight overs, two maidens, three for 16. Three for four off four to Sam Parks and two for two for to Jeff Kooning and a one for, for Ray Stebbin at the end. Unfortunately, the Scholars are struggling this year, but the old boys will be happy with a good win. Yeah, look, it's, you know, you don't, you don't like to see those sort of results. I mean, the road scholars are a great bunch of blokes and they're out there having a crack. Good to see Paddy Thompson on back playing and Dean Kadronovsky. But I mean, you look at Samuel Parks, he's taken the first three wickets, bang, 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 three for four off four. Uh, I don't know if we've pulled up lane because he would be taking the ball off me if they knocked over the top three batters for four overs and you're not getting in. But again, they've got the depth here, they've shared it around. And, and they were in trouble early when they batted first, Glendale. They were one for none, two for eight, I think three for 40. Um, they did really well to get to 195. I think they'd be happy they did bat as deep as they did. Uh, but Zach Snedden, hats off. What a what a one-man wrecking crew he was. Supported by Tyson Jackson at uh, 35 or 40. But, yeah, well done to Zach Snedden. That's, a, that's a, an impressive knock. Um, shame he couldn't bring up his three figures. Um, yeah, it's not really much else yeah, to say. Um, just a good, solid all-round performance there by Glendale boys. In. I think it's important. Rogar having a bit of a tough year this year, but it's pretty easy to remember or forget that you know, the last couple of years have been they've been fairly competitive. And before that, when Adamstown were there, they're fairly competitive. And 
It's yeah. funny how the first few weeks can sometimes mark a season. You know, teams that go really good one year have a couple of bad weeks to start with, and it can be a bit of a grind. Uh, there's enough quality in that team to be to be winning games. It's just it's not working for them at the moment. Yeah. Gentlemen, before we, we sorry Dan, over to you, and then I'll, I'll I'll chip in after you, Dan. I don't think Corey Bruce was there, and, and I mean a lot of quality players on the team, but it's getting those quality players all on the park at the same time, which yeah. wasn't a problem in the past. And again, it, it happens. Everyone's commitments change with family, with work, and whatnot. Um, I mean, and they're, and they're attached to a very strong club at Hamley, so you know, again, that, they'll bounce back. I've got no doubt of that. I wouldn't be taking a team like the Rose Scholars likely any of these teams. Sure, they're sitting on the you know, bottom of the ladder with the guards, but they've got some very capable cricketers that team. They'll put it together before the year's out. It may be a bit late to, you know, hammer in for a top four, but, I mean, top eight final series, it's got to creep into the eight. So, you know, the Mudrats and Carnival Ruby, they'll be wanting to keep a distance from those bottom two teams, especially Rose Scholars. Absolutely. Gentlemen, just before we go on to Safe One and looking at uh, next week's fixtures, can I just give a shout-out? Um, there have been a lot of shout-outs recently, but I want to give a shout-out to Josh Moxie. Josh Moxie scored for the ACT for the duration of the Australian Country Cricket Championships, which was successfully staged in Newcastle this week. And massive credit to everybody involved, Bruce Whitehouse, Paul Marjorie everybody, all the clubs that did a fantastic job. And all the, the I've got messages on the WhatsApp group from other states and they've given enormous credit to everybody, including the people of Newcastle for their hosting and their accommodation and everything. They loved it. I keep on telling Newcastle's the best place in Australia, and they finally listen. But Josh Moxie scored the entire week. Guys, I showed him a, a scoring linear card or what's called a running sheet. And as you know, Josh Moxie's no fool. I, my linear sheet's reasonable to work with. It's not simple, but it's not complex. Josh Moxie had it licked in two minutes. Absolutely done and dusted, and I. Uh, and it's up. He'll, I'll get to let you show him one day if anybody's sees Josh scoring. But I just showed him a, run, a running sheet that you're required to do at, at a high level scoring, and for someone to pick it up so quickly shows how intelligent he is. And it was a wonderful effort of him to go and score for the ACT. I just had the pleasure of scoring with him once. I just wanted to give him a shout out, guys. He's uh, uh, he's uh, he's wonderful for cricket. He does an enormous amount of work, but he's also an outstanding scorer. Uh, and I just want to give him a cheerio. That was that's all. But a, enormous credit to him, and also to Kath Pink who scored for WA, and Dan Proudman who also did a game. All Newcastle scorers, all very very good. New, Dan Proudman did a game for New South Wales as well. So congratulations to all of them. Dan, over to you, my friend. Uh, what are we up to? Safe one competition ladder. Next week's fixtures. Sa- safe one ladder. Get seagulls input, and then John Ball to finish. I think. I do All have right, one. So, I do have one yeah. performance. I do have one performance from Grade that I'd like to throw in at the end, just as an addendum. I think you know the one I'm talking about. I'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> so the Safe One performance of the round for round twelve, and we thank uh, Safe One for their support of the suburban districts competition and, and supplying the uh, weekly prize, or in some cases prizes. Um, and again, this is another week where we you know, probably could have sent poor old Hutto broke with some of the performances. Um, but we've gone with one winner this week. Now, there's a lot of standout performance, so please bear with me. I'm going to start. Vision 7, Rian Simons from Nelson Bay. Seven overs, no maidens, five for 20. Five wicket performance here by Rian. Well done. In Division 6, uh, Darren Farns from Beresfield Memorial. Seven overs, three maidens, five for 10. Very economic 
economical performance here by Darren. Well done. Uh, for the Port Stevens Pythons in Division 6, Jared Johnson, uh, 80 not out with nine fours and one six. So Jared Johnson, 80 not out. Uh, Division 5, now, this, this pair in the same game from the same team, an honourable mention here. Unfortunately, neither of these performances are this week's winner. On any other given week, they're a walk-up start. So for Tech College, Alistair Osborne has batted all 35 overs, batting first, open the batting, has scored 131 not out. Um, of 113 balls, eight fours and nine sixes. A great knock there by Alistair, which gave his bowlers plenty to bite. Now, um, I believe they got three for 223. They then bowled Nelson Bay out for 17. And Daniel Kelly for Tech College. How are these figures? Seven overs, five maidens, six for three. As I said, any other week, that would probably uh, be our performance of the week. And fortunate for uh, Daniel, that's, that's been pipped. So I shall move on. Uh, nothing in Division 4, nothing in Division 2. I'll skip the Division 1. Fewer that we've touched on. Quite a number in Div 1 this week. Paul Dean, Merriweather scoring 103 with 14 boundaries. In the same game, James Pride, eight overs, two maidens, five for 25. Uh, Josh Bennett from the Mudrats, eight overs, five for 26. And Michelle for Josh, well bowled. Uh, for the waterboard, Brad Richardson, another great bowling performance in Division 1. Six overs, one maiden, six for 11. And Zach Stedden for the Glendale Boys, 95 off 74, 13 fours and two sixes. In Division 3, uh, Resham Singh for the Brown Mundi. He's also batted all 35 overs, scored 89 out of 100 balls, nine fours and three sixes. But this week's safe one performance of the round, I just could not go past this, is Brody Cooper from the Westlakes Renegades, seven overs, two maidens, seven for 12. A seven butt <sighs> in 35 over cricket league, you get a maximum of seven overs to bowl, is an unbelievable achievement. Uh, so Brody Cooper from the Westlakes Renegades, congratulations. You are this week's Safe One Perform to the Round Award winner. Uh, you win $30 off any purchase at Safe One on Hills Road, Waters Bay. I'll get in touch uh, with, uh, I guess, Benny Kane and oh, I can't find it on Facebook, but it is. Um, but yeah, some honourable mentions there. But Brody Cooper, 7 for 12. And I know what Redders is about to say. He has a performance that actually tops that. Yes, uh, uh, over the district cricket and a declaration of uh, declaration of interest here. This involves my club, but oh, I'm declaring it openly. Belmont played Stockton um, down there at Miller Field in third grade, a one-day game, 40 overs each. Stocker made 230 <laughs> off 40 overs, which is very good going. But in reply, Belmont all out for 21. And I would very much doubt that there have been many better figures in the history of districts in this. Now, I'm sure there's been nine for and timbers, not in the last couple of years. Seven ducks for Belmont, numbers two, one and two, and then numbers uh, four through to eight. Tyson Betty for Stockton, seven, seven overs, five maidens, ladies and gentlemen, eight for two. <laughs> That's that is, ridiculous. That, that's right. Absolutely absurd. The first first wicket was a catch, but eight for two for for for, for Tyson. So I just thought I'd, I had that's to throw that in Tyson. there. That's ridiculous. It's just it's crazy. Probably uh, uh, yeah. well, my only well, comment is he obviously uh, didn't have any any trust in his fielders because he's had to do it most of it himself. Oh man, I'm just. Yeah. 
it's it's an amazing performance. And again, th- with thanks to Safe One, uh, really appreciate all the support. They've, they've been fantastic coming on board, and I'm so glad that 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 Dan did the work and 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 did the deal with Safe One. It's wonderful having them on board. Um, the ladder in Division One, from one to ten, Port Stephens thirty two, Waterboard thirty, Warners Bay twenty seven, Glendale Old Boys twenty seven. Merriweather 26, Journeyman 25, Carter Fallaroo 23, Mary Ellen 20. There's now a little gap between eight, uh, seventh and uh, eighth and ninth. The Gardens are on 15 and Rose Colours are on 15. Um, so, yeah, look, uh, Port Stephens now on their own on top. And just with there is weather coming this weekend. Hopefully it's not too much, but hopefully we get a, the majority of the rains actually Monday and Tuesday. Gentlemen, our fixtures. Mary Ellen, uh, Mud Rats hosting the Gardens at Connolly. Journeyman hosting Port Stephens at Jezzo. Warners Bay and Rose Scholars at Fayham. Old Boys and Waterboard. There's probably the game of the round, although the next one's pretty good as well. Oh, um, that's at William Bower. And then Cardiff Bullaroo host Merriweather on one of the best decks in the entire city uh, of the cities of Newcastle and Macquarie. That's at Cardiff number two. Jen's a couple of good games. Yeah, I'll tell you what, Glendale and Waterboard and Cardiff Bullaroo and Merriweather. And Merriweather are very important for the structure of the eight. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, it's it, we're now in that part of the season. We, you know, the first part of first part of the year, as you guys know, is all about the is all about the dance. You can lose premierships in the first half, but you never win them. We're going to see some teams move in the next three or four weeks. I think. I think. Uh, there's some pretty important fixtures, and it's it's going to be interesting to see where this all flushes out in the next two or three weeks. So I've got a feeling that one of those teams that are sixth or seventh might be, you know, third or fourth in a fortnight. I think it's that it's it's going to change that much. Oh, Merriweather are dead set dangerous sitting there at fifth. Someone I mentioned them oh. earlier. Merriweather are dead set dangerous. They will want to get in the top four because they get a home final like Connolly. Yeah, any anything that Ray Rutten's associated with, they will be on. He does not lose well, Ray, so they'll be they will be on. You know, seeing Paul Dan get a hundred, you know, there's a the pretty Tim Cameron and Stephen Pride starting to get a few runs that they're dangerous. And wickets. Yeah, and look at that ladder as you said. Like, the old boys are on twenty seven. They're playing the waterboard who are on 30. Now, if Glendale boys can bump the waterboard, that puts them a point off them. A win by waterboard gives them then a five-point break between second and fourth. And then you look at that Merriweather-Carter-Polaroo game, a win by Merriweather, pending results of the two teams above them. Merriweather could be up in third if results go their way. A win by Carter-Polaroo would take them to 26 points and put them a point behind Merriweather um, in that fifth, sixth spot. So there's a lot to play for in some of these games. And and just quietly, Port Stevens, uh, please bear with me when I say this, their quotient is so good that they can afford to tie um, on points, but their quotient's so superior. They're 0.8 in front of – is that point eight? Yeah, just over 0.8 in front of Waterboard. Um, they've got themselves in a very good position. Um, and if the finals were played today, guys, it would be – uh, it would be, let's have a look here. It's 1v4, 2v3, isn't it? So it's Port Stevens and Glendale, Waterboard and Warners Bay, Mary, the local derby. That'd be interesting. Merriweather on the Mud Rats and Journeyman and Cardiff Ballaroo. So 
Yeah, very interesting situation. Guys, to finish off with tonight, we have a fascinating last round of the John Bull Shield being played this Sunday, and I do mean fascinating. The two things we know is that Singleton and the Wombats cannot make the finals. Cessnock's already in, but this Maitland um, Rebels fixture, guys, at Robins is massive, and I mean massive. It's a huge game. Saundo and Stephen, take us away. Uh, well, before Seagull goes, I'll just announce the squad for the Rebels. Uh, so I'll send this through from uh, the manager, Ray Rutten. So the 12 men squad selected to represent the Rebels against Maitland this Sunday. Uh, it's at Robins Oval up in Maitland. Um, I think this is batting order, but I'm sure it's subject to change. So Lee Williams from the Paul Stevens Pythons, Shafiq Syed from Carter Pullaroo, Jared Moxie for the Pythons, Mitch Cronick, captain for the Waterboard, Matt Herriot from the Waterboard. Clint Goodchap from the Rogue Scholars, Grant Garland from the Pythons, Jeremy Rushford from the Pythons, Tim Mason from the Glendale Old Boys, Tyron Everly from the Pythons, Jason Everly from the Pythons, and Jesse Ballenden from Warner's Base. So congratulations uh, to that 12-man squad. So, and it is must-win. If they win, they're in the final. If they lose, uh, their jumble campaign's over for 23-24. Yeah, and look, there's a lot of mathematical permutations it would be likely if the Suburban District Rebels win that they'd probably play Cessnock in the... Well, it, they would play Cessnock in the final, but it's just a matter of who finishes wearing the ladder and how it all works out. But, yeah, if this new car, the Suburban District Rebels can knock Maitland out of the competition because I do think that Cessnock will beat the Wombats. So, uh, fascinating. That Congratulations to the play selected. I know that everybody will be very keen. And these are the crunch times of the season, aren't they, guys, where everything counts. Absolutely, this game. This game will be on on Sunday. I think uh, I know Maitland. Uh, Maitland was smarting last year that you know that it's the hundredth year of the John Bull Shield, and they're they're you know they've owned that that shield for a heck of a long time. So I expect I expect you know the Trapper Boys to turn up and Ricky Dent and and uh, and all the Maitland guys and the Rebels will have to be good to be in the contest. I think. Yes, with That'll the grand gotcha. The, the the grand final will be on a, the Australia Day Sunday, which will be Australia Day long weekend Sunday, which will be I mean perhaps a few few of the guys will be a little bit quiet on, on Australia Day itself. Well, hopefully they are. Yeah. Um, guys, uh, just want to say thanks to everybody again for the Australian Country Champs. It's been wonderful having them at home. Next year's Country Championships, they announce it will be in the Barossa Valley in South Australia. Uh, we've been trying to get it there for a couple of years, and awesome. it should be wonderful over there. But Newcastle's done a great job. A, a great job, and everybody was very impressed with our facilities, the town, the hospitality, everything. So, congratulations to everyone. It was, and I, they played some games at uh, SD Grounds. They certainly played at Fayan. And of course, why wouldn't you play at Fayan? It's such a good complex. So, guys, was there anything else you wanted to talk about tonight? Uh, just, just a quick one for me, Red. Is it given that I, you know that I, I'm uh, part of the, the committee that's with suburban districts? One of the things I like to do is keep a bit of an eye on what's coming through in terms of clubs moving up you know we 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 always see you know, the phoenix rise out of the ashes so, so just having a look at div two maryland the gold team are, are leading that competition and nelson bay are coming second we all know what nelson bay can produce you know on a good year but the the maryland gold team are doing very very well in division two and and i've got a couple of guys that are definitely rebels quality in in that squad so there are probably a couple of teams to have a look at 
in the coming weeks and, and probably during the off-season and see where they go. And in, in Division 3, it's, it's really good to see uh, Toronto through Westlake's Renegades and Waratah pushing up through the grades. And both those teams have been moving up through grades for the last few years. And, and I, I can see, you know, some pretty good things for their future. The good thing about that being, you know, part of the Suburban District's operating committee is they're different clubs. So we're starting to see some some clubs, and in particular some great clubs, start to move through the ranks and move towards the top end of our competition. And I think it's really, really good for the, the flavour of our competition going forward that we're, we're starting to see this little bit of a change. So there's a, there's 60 other teams that we could mention, but I just wanted to single out those four to start with because I, I think they've done pretty well. And um, it's probably be a good idea for Dan to keep an eye on, particularly two and three, because it's probably going to give us a bit of an insight on what might happen in the next three or four years inside of suburban districts. Well said, so no, very yeah. much so. You know, you know, I've got my eyes on it. <laughs> yep. Absolutely, mate. Sorry, Dan, you I'm cut you off. I'm sorry. So sorry everybody. There's been a bit of cutting off tonight. When you've got a three way podcast on Zoom, things can get a bit interesting with delay. So that that's on me as the host. I do apologize. We're doing our best. We're doing our as one of my mates would say, we're doing our column best. Sondo, did you have anything you wanted to say, my friend? <laughs> Colin Best. <laughs> That's good. Cronulla Center. Um, no, look, I'm all good. It's just good to be back in the in the swing of it. It's 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 felt like forever. Um, yeah, good luck to the Rebels and, and the Maitland on the weekend. I mean, that's gonna be a great game of cricket. And it's 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 a semi-final, really. I mean, it's it's knockout now. If if you know, winners winners through, losers out. And if we win and go through and play Sestock, it's a replay of last year's uh jumble final. Um, a loss to be uh, a Coalfields derby, mate, on Cessnock. Um, the weather forecast looks promising, so hopefully all suburban districts will get on across the grades. And, um, yeah, look forward to talking about it all again next week. And just a quick one. There was a Newcastle Herald article today, a very important article talking about phase two of the redevelopment of the magnificent Newcastle number one sports ground, which was praised by everybody who played on it, both male and female players. The West Australian players say the surface is as good as the Wacker. And that's wow. a massive wow. thing. But then that, that that ground on field is quite sublime. It's magnificent. And stage two is talking about a redevelopment of the grandstand with function rooms and new change rooms and things. I just hope that goes ahead and gets done quickly. The more good cricket we get coming to Newcastle, you, I had the experience last week of being in Coffs Harbour and saw that magnificent stadium up there. That is quite sublimely good up there. And I think I join with everybody who likes cricket to say that we would love to get top-level cricket being played in Newcastle again. We have this most wonderful city and we've got this superb on-field facility. If we can get at the facilities on, I'm not being critical, but if that if that stand gets developed, and they are developing past more, as you both know, but if we can get number one to become a high-level ground, wouldn't it be wonderful to have Big Bash or Second Eleven games or Shield games or whatever? I think it would be wonderful. I can tell you right now, I will come to Newcastle to watch those games if they are or make a dis- dis- effort, but it is good to see them talking about the redevelopment of the off-field facilities there as well, guys. It's it's unbelievable, yeah, Redders. I mean, Stephen, it's um it's unbelievable, Redders. You know, um, it's it's the one thing holding holding cricket back in this town. I think is is the ability to to attract high level cricket games, and it's it's quite simply from the fence to the to the car park that's letting us down. So, um, 
congratulations, Newcastle Council. You know, I, I, for one, have been pretty critical in the last four or five years about our facilities, probably longer than that, probably 15 years about our facilities, particularly inside of the Newcastle CBD. And uh, to see this this afternoon, you know, I take it all back. Just make it happen, please. You Atali, whoever it is, please make it happen. Yeah. No, I mean, well, I think we all remember when the Sheffield Shield games used to come to Newcastle and how great it was. That was kids and, um, you know, even as adults, really. The last Shield game I went to in there, there was no, no functioning scoreboard, which is an absolute embarrassment. Um, you know, they, they say the facilities, like for the players and the media, and that aren't up to scratch, and I believe that having seen them. Um, but I, I think you would fill number one sports ground all four days of a Shield game. Uh, if a, a big bash came there, it'd be high scoring. Um, and you know, the, the lights are great. The field's just, it's first class. There's no, no argument. Uh, yep. Yeah. For serious about wanting people to come to Newcastle, that needs to happen. So it's great that it's being talked about, but I just hope it's not a political play just for if there's an election coming up. This, that would suck. That, it, to give credit where credit's due, the Glate Macquarie Council's developed faster field in Fayan and they've become excellent facilities. Unbelievable they are, particularly yeah. fan. And if you get a chance, anybody, what what Coffs Harbor, that stadium at Coffs Harbor, they had ten thousand people for the Sixers and the Heat the other night. It was an amazing experience. Ten thousand. Yeah. Now Coffs Harbor's got a hundred thousand people. Ten thousand people came for the they came from all over the shop. That game, in my mind, a six if remember, we're Sixers country where we are. Uh, there is no reason why we shouldn't have big bash games. Uh, big bash games with the right facilities at that magnificent place at, at, at Newcastle West. It's a, it, it, and, and in my mind, it has to happen. Um, you know, it's just a matter of getting things done. Um, and let's just, uh, uh, what I do hope is that it, it happens, that it progresses and moves and gets the rubber stamp and they actually go and do this, guys. I really do. And I'm being quite genuine with that. I just hope it happens and happens soon. I agree, yeah, Reddy. We're the, the, the second largest cricket association in the state. You know, so I hope that we get facilities that, that you know, embrace that because you are right. You, you get those games, we will fill that ground. Um, Sondra, you're both right. And we are an enormous cricket association. It's just the, the amount of – this is cricket nirvana in Newcastle. There's so much cricket played, and you've now got winter cricket being played as well. And That's only going to get bigger, but that's probably a discussion for another day. Um, guys, thank you so much for your time. It's been a wonderful podcast. We've got almost an hour. It's great, but I could sit here and talk to you two folks for ages. First of all, Stephen, it is wonderful having you back on our podcast. We will get you on before the end of the season. Thank you so much for your time. And from, for both of us, it's a privilege to have you on. Thank you so much. No, thank you both. I can't thank you both enough for what you've done for us in the last three or four years. I know you don't do it for thanks, but just know that, you know, it is noticed and we all do appreciate it. So keep doing the good work, guys. And uh, good luck in the future, Redders. I know you're, you've got a move potentially happening soon, so good luck with that, my friend. Thank you. Sondo, lovely to see you, my friend. He's resplendent. He's Newcastle night singler tonight, everybody. He's showing his real colours tonight, the great man. Sondo, take care and uh, look after yourself as, as Country Week gets busy. <laughs> yeah, it could be an interesting podcast a couple of weeks. We do it on a Wednesday or Thursday night during festival. I'll, I'll make no apologies. Soapbox could be long, really. You could hear Lee Kerrigan or Anne Patrick or anybody in the background. Who knows, guys? You never know. Steps into the cowboy hat. No, never know. On behalf Maybe of Stephen, like Chad Morgan. <laughs> no, thank you. 
On behalf of Stephen and Dan, this is David Redden. It's been a pleasure getting back into our podcast. You take care. Good luck, Suburban Districts Record, Rebels. Time to stand up, guys. It's time to stand up and be counted, okay? It's going to be tough, but I know you can do it. On behalf of the guys, this is David. Bye for now.